with Buffy is a retro-analytical love roast of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If you'd like to support our show financially, you can find us on patreon.com slash beerwithbuffy. Don't forget to review us on iTunes if you like what you hear. I was told you were coming. The competition is a beautiful thing. We're Slayer's girlfriend, the chosen two. Why should we let him take off? Gosh, I'm feeling chipper. <laughs> Who's for a root beer? Jeez. I don't like vampires. We take a stand and say they're not good. Fucking fantastic. I love that sound. Welcome to Beer with Buffy. I'm Rex. I'm Josh. And we're back again. Yes, we are. And we're here to give our livers a good old-fashioned pounding. Somebody get Joe Pesci on the phone because he's who I want to play the role of my liver. I called Joe Pesci. We can't both have Joe Pesci playing our liver. I don't want to be Marv from Home Alone 2 or whatever from Home Alone. Oh, God, no. I don't, no, no, no. I don't need him living inside me. No, no, no. That's not okay. I can't remember the actor's name, but the guy... <laughs> Who in can? Wise guy, in Wise Guys. Yeah. Wise Guy, eh? Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, Wise Guys is the book. Wise Guys is the book. Yeah. Goodfellas is the movie. Goodfellas is the movie. Henry Hill, uh, so did, are you talking about the Robert De Niro character played Henry? No, no, um, it wasn't, Robert De Niro didn't play Henry. Ray Liotta? Yeah, Ray Liotta, that that dude. He's also a really good quintessential gangster. Yeah. You can have him, I get Joe Pesci. Okay. Because I called Joe Pesci first. Ugh. (laughs) Fine. Well, our livers are angry kind of Italian guys if, if, if I really like in my head I don't know about you but my liver's just not happy with me my liver's doing just fine my liver's <laughs> my liver's very blue collar he's just happy to have work <laughs> so today we're reviewing season three episode four beauty and the beasts plural yeah. yeah, don't don't sue them, Disney. <laughs> they <laughs> Disney they may- actually would not be able to sue them because Beauty and the Beast is a fairy tale that is in public domain. Huh. Well, you know, they're Disney. They can change that. They, yeah, if anyone can. And we should stop talking before they sue us for <laughs> slander. So I just thought it was important to let everybody know that we were at a bar earlier and the musician playing... I just love this description. <laughs> just imagine Roger Rabbit trying to have a serious music career. And that was this musician. But he's good at it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even... I'm not even going to try to do an impression. I wish I had oh, no, a recording. No, no, he, he was He was impressive, but it was kind of so out there that it was almost off-putting, but still good and enjoyable. It Weird fucking experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, he like he just talks and sings and plays the piano four times faster than most people exist. Yeah. <laughs> he lives entirely on his own plane of time and space. Or cocaine. Yeah, I, that too. <laughs> <laughs> or he's just, he's still in the 80s. Right. All right, all right. How about a mom synopsis? Joshua! Have you gone to the bathroom? Are you ready to start the episode? Do you need to urinate? Uh, I mean, just for the record, just because I urinate now doesn't mean I'm not going to need to urinate later. 
Hold on. I, I actually have to interrupt your mom's synopsis to tell you this little story. So Don't interrupt him! He's doing very to. important recording things. I'm going to because it's actually fucking hilarious oh, to me. Oh, for fuck's sake. So, for our listeners, I'm currently training to ride a century later this summer. 100-mile bike ride. Boring. But today, you wanted to ride, so we actually went on a ride together. So I rode to your house, and then we rode from there. And at your house, while you were getting your shit ready, your mom was talking to me. And she was talking to me about us going on our ride. And I had mentioned that I had already ridden to your house and how my plan was to do 15 miles that day. And Uh she's like, Oh, is Josh going to do that? And, and I'm like, no, he's only doing eight. And she actually was like, Oh good. I don't think he could do more than that. (laughs) I could probably do 10, but I don't think he could. I, I fucking, that's a quote. She said that she said that. (laughs) <laughs> I literally had to stop talking, turn around, and exit your house. <laughs> I did not hear that. Oh my fucking god! I wanted to tell you, but I didn't like want to tell you in her presence. Oh, holy <laughs> shit! I'm so glad that came back to my memory, Joshua. <laughs> you know I'm in much better shape than you. I've had a lot of time to tone these <laughs> these crazy beasts that I call legs. Have you seen these quads? These glutes? Oh, God! You keep your glutes away from me, Mom. All right, Joshua. I know that you know that I'm better than you, especially at physical fitness. So just tell me, why are there like three monsters in this episode? Can't they just pick one? Gosh, <laughs> It's almost like there's a theme or something. In this episode, we see Oz as a werewolf, and they've significantly changed the makeup, but we've also got a feral angel and some random Hulk or Jekyll and Hyde or whatever weirdo dude, and we're trying to figure out who's killing all these people. Well, there's like two. Then we've got this girl who's seriously got some battered housewife syndrome going on. Turns out Oz didn't kill anybody. Angel... Well, Angel might have killed somebody. I think Angel killed the dude in the woods. Whatever. Oz didn't kill anybody. It's all the evil people that killed people. Yeah. Don't stay in shitty relationships. I think that's the theme of the episode. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I'm also much better at relationships than you, Joshua. (laughs) You should take my advice on everything. Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed little creatures. Let's get this show on the road. This is one of the more interesting openings that this show has had, I think, because we open up to a first person view of running through the woods at night and we have a voiceover from Buffy. She is reading part of Call of the Wild. Okay. By Jack London. Did they establish that anywhere in the episode? Because yes. 
But also, I just happen to know the book because I fucking love that book. Okay. Where did they say in the episode that she's reading Call of the Wild? This very same scene. So it transitions from this voiceover of Buffy to Willow reading the book to Werewolf Oz. Yeah. They're in the library. Oz is in the book cage. He's in the cage, yeah. Which to me seems like would not be strong enough to hold a werewolf. But, you know. Eh. Uh, And... For some reason, Willow is reading a book about being a wild animal and the the draw of being feral to a werewolf. And that seems poor taste to me. Huh. Xander shows up. This is when she actually says that she's reading to Oz. He picks up the book. He's like, oh, Call of the Wild. Oh, okay. And she says, basically, yeah, it kind of like reaches into his feral nature Although he doesn't like the part where I mentioned bunnies <laughs> and just then Oz attacks the, the cage because he wants to eat the rabbits. Right. There's- I just I got the main points. She leaves a trank gun for Xander just mm-hmm. in case. She put up some towels or sheets or whatever to give Oz some privacy when he turns back into Oz. And he is inevitably naked. And Xander makes a joke. About, you know, being able to handle Oz's full Monty. And then he gets super homophobic really quickly because he realized phrasing. But he didn't really fix the phrasing. No. No, he did not. (laughs) It was like, you know, I don't mean like, you know, hand to flesh. (laughs) But I do mean hand to flesh or something like that. The way he, he did not fix the phrasing. Check it out. I promise. But... Willow is like, oh, no, that's really more for me because I can't handle the the full Monty Oz, only like half Monty. Yeah. And Xander's like, (laughs) wait, which half? And I'm like, shut up, Xander. It's none of your fucking business. And Willow responds perfectly. She just looks at him and goes, well, wouldn't you like to know? And then fucking drops it. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. Willow pointedly tells Xander that he needs to stay up. And he's like, I got coffee. I got things to do. We're going to be good. And she leaves and he immediately fucking lays down and naps. Yeah. (laughs) He uses the call of the wild as a fucking pillow. (laughs) What a prick. Uh, So, yeah, then we cut to the graveyard where Buffy and Faith are patrolling. Yep. And we learn that Buffy's actually been on a few dates with Scott. Yeah, definitely a little bit of time has passed between last episode and this one. Yeah, and uh, Faith gives us her theory of men. Well, also, <laughs> this girl is just always thinking about sex. Um, she's like yeah. a teenage boy, only she's a girl. <laughs> yeah. it's. I mean, it's not that teenage girls aren't thinking about sex as much as guys. You know, it just in our culture, they don't talk about it as much because right. that scene is taboo or whatever. So Faith kind of divulges the theory that all men are beasts and there's they all have a primal nature to them. Yeah, she thinks all men are animals. Talk about a misogynistic kind of mindset. How's that misogynistic? Well, the whole, I mean, the whole... You mean misandrist? No, no, misogynistic. Because the whole idea of men can't control their urges and men, you know, oh, if... Something happens, it was the way she dressed, because that whole mentality is based in a misogynistic standpoint of women are sexual objects and men can't help but see them as sexual objects. Like, that sounds like you're implying that 
faith is being misogynistic by thinking that men are all animals. Not that she is necessarily being misogynistic, but that her viewpoint is informed by misogyny. So the word misogynistic means hating women. How does what Faith said about men being all animals equate to misogyny? The whole point, the reason why rape culture is a thing is because the the basis of the idea that men are animalistic and can't control their base urges. And therefore, it goes to the, the women to moderate the animalistic tendencies of men. And that whole idea stems from a misogynistic sure. standpoint. So you're saying this patriarchal point of view that it's the woman's fault if they get raped has bled over into the female paradigm insofar as... They even feel that men are purely animalistic. Yes. Intentioned in all of their actions. It doesn't make her misogynistic, but it makes her viewpoint coming from a misogynistic. Exactly. Thing. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It's just awkward to put it that way. Fair. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's I think it simplifies the point more succinctly if we say that it is some patriarchal indoctrination bullshit yeah it indoctrination that's the fucking word cool it's indoctrination yeah all right so then we cut to a guy running through the woods and he gets eaten by something yeah yeah then cut to opening dig this dig this sorry you has a Fire, beheading. Hurry up, sweet dreams. Hurry up, sweet dreams. Water, usual. Oh, yeah. I hit him. What? A desk. Willow and Buffy are walking up the steps to the promenade, and Willow's like, I don't think all men are only in it for the chase. Thanks, And Oz is with them, and they see Scott. They meet up with Scott, and we get to meet Pete and Debbie. Yeah. As soon as I saw them and we were introduced to them... I wrote, oh, they'll probably die. They're probably going to die. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, a random couple that they go to school with. That's not shoehorned at all. But Pete and Debbie are close friends of Scott, specifically. Yes, which I didn't pick up on until about halfway through the episode, but They didn't really do a good job of, of showcasing that in this first scene. No, it was just kind of like they were chatting and like... They had, maybe they had a class together or something. I don't know. You talk to random people in yep. high school. It happens. Yep. So Pete gave Debbie flowers. They're a couple. Mm-hmm. Someone mentioned Scott getting Buffy flowers and Scott gets a little panicky. And he's like, are we at the flower stage yet? Well, Buffy commented on how pretty the flowers were, which Pete had bought for her. And then Pete is like, oh, I'm sure Scott does stuff like that for you all the time. Right. And Scott's like, uh, 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 did I... Um, no, I don't, I mean, we're not to the flower stage yet. Unless we are to the flower stage yet. Did I miss flowers? <laughs> and Buffy says, no, it's fine. We're pre-posy. Yes. <laughs> I like that. I, pre-posy. It's very nice. It's a good way to put it. And it's actually a breath of fucking fresh air to see Buffy interacting with a guy as a normal couple in a normal environment with normal people. Yeah. 
It's a a lovely fucking change for her, and this girl fucking deserves it. Sure. Scott's a bit of a dweeb. I don't like him. I don't think I he's, don't like him at all either. I don't think he's good <laughs> enough for her. <laughs> I have things to say about that later. Sure. Well, also, he doesn't even know that she's the Slayer yet. So right. how healthy can a relationship be until all main truths are divulged? Exactly. Exactly. Before we leave this scene, they made sure to establish that Buffy needs to go see... Was it was it Mr. Plaid? Platt, I Platt, think. P-L-A-T-T. I heard Plaid in this scene, but then it sounded like they were saying Platt the rest of the episode. Platt. It's Platt. They make sure to establish that Buffy has to go see a Mr. Platt, the school counselor, for a psych evaluation in order to stay in school, as per... The orders of Snyder in uh, the last episode or the episode before, something like that. And Debbie makes it known that she does not like him. And because she also sees him because she's having issues with a class. Oz mentions that he passed and he's planning on giving Deb some notes to that class later. So that comes up later. So then we cut to the library. Giles is talking to Xander about something that happened yeah, something you, about escape routes. It sounds like they're... Yeah. I gathered pretty quickly they were talking about Oz as a werewolf being able to escape somehow. Willow and Oz come into the library. He Giles immediately turns around and is like, oh, oh, you, well, you, he, no so need he, to panic. He says, oh, uh, good to see you. No need to panic. And Oz, this is one Oz of my quotes of the day. J- just a thought. Poker, not your game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I like that a lot. That's an excellent Oz quote. And so we find out the name of the dude that got dragged through the woods and mauled. His name is Jeff Walken. They're a little bit afraid that Oz did it, which totally... Yeah, that's that's mostly fair. I kind of think they should be immediately skeptical that it was Oz because Oz was there in the morning as Oz. Yeah, would he, he wouldn't crawl back through the window as right. a werewolf. That... No, if he had no woke sense. up in a field, then yeah, time to be worried that Oz murdered someone. I but, agree. But he woke up still locked in a cage, for fuck's sake. But, you know, I mean, it's possible that his werewolf brain had enough wherewithal to remember to go back to the cage so that he doesn't get caught, maybe? maybe. I don't maybe. know. But Giles is very upset with Xander for sleeping. Yeah. As he should be. And then we cut to the counselor's office, and Mr. Platt is smoking in a school. This really, like, Which even in the 90s. Yeah, I I wrote down, could you smoke on school grounds in the 90s? I think he knew he wasn't supposed to, which is A, why he had the window open and was pointed towards the window, and B, pulls out the air freshener afterwards. But it's kind of... A way to immediately show us that he's unconventional and he doesn't play by the rules and Buffy should therefore feel more comfortable with him. And as soon as the chair turns around and we see him, I dub him Discount LeVar Burton. (laughs) (laughs) No, he looks like LeVar Burton in the shape of his face and the sound of his voice the way he delivers his lines, it screams LeVar Burton to me. No, it really did. I wondered legitimately for a moment if it was LeVar Burton, and I almost looked it up. It's discount LeVar Burton. (laughs) I don't know who the actor's name is, but you could have a good career as discount LeVar Burton. You could do children's parties as LeVar Burton. Just dress up as Jordy. You're good to go. I didn't write (laughs) down any real specifics of this interaction between them, except for the fact that he 
actually is doing a pretty good fucking job with her. Yeah, well, it, he's a really cool fucking dude. I want him as my counselor. He fucking immediately treats her like a fucking person. Better than any other adult outside of Giles has ever done. Which is rare. Well, it's yeah, no, like you said, not just rare. Unfucking heard of, except for Giles. I really like him. One of my quotes of the day, Mr. Platt said, Let's start with why you ran away. Buffy says, That's a long story. Platt says, Bore me. <laughs> His delivery just spot on, I thought. Yeah. And then in this very, very short lived role that he had in this one episode for a small fraction of it, he had um, one of the better quotes to come out of Buffy the Vampire Slayer yet. He says, Look, lots of people lose themselves in love. It's no shame. They write songs about it. The hitch is you can't stay lost. Sooner or later, you have to get back to yourself, Buffy says. And if you can't, he says, then love becomes your master and you're just its dog. Which is very poignant. Yeah. Kudos for poignancy. Well done, Mr. Platt. To the library. He was definitely better. In this one scene than any school counselor I've fucking dealt with throughout my entire school career. Oh, God, absolutely. I mean, just the fact that you're employed as a school counselor pretty much means you failed at life. I don't know that I'd go quite that far, but yeah. I'll I, go I, quite I... that far for <laughs> you, Rex. Okay, so yeah, we go to the library. Uh, Buffy shows up, and obviously the whole Scooby gang is there, and they're worried about Oz having killed someone. Yeah, Buffy walks in and sees the whole gang sitting there, and she's like, I'm afraid to ask. Cordelia blurts out, Oz ate someone last night. Xander prattles on for a minute. He's like, Oz doesn't eat people, blah 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 Insert foot and mouth. Yes. They decide to send Buffy to patrol the woods just to be safe, and he sends the rest of the Scoobies to check on the body at the morgue to make sure that it was a werewolf kill and not a vampire kill, yep. which is smart. And they assign Faith to stay and watch Oz, which Oz immediately gets a little butthurt about. Yep. And I'm kind of like, why? I kind of get it. Because he even he even says, I know it's dramatic, but I, I feel I just need to be able to storm out. Yeah. He's emotional because he fears that he killed somebody. Yeah, this is still a big transition for him. Right. He, he hasn't even been doing it a full year yet, it seems like. Exactly. I kind of feel for him in this moment because he's talking to Willow. He's like, I, I need to storm out. but And she goes, well, look at the time. You can't. And apparently 530 is super close to sunset. Uh, is it the winter? Is it always like that in California? What's going on? I don't know what time of year this episode aired. It seems like it would have been fall. Yeah. Because, you know, it's the beginning of the school year still. Oz goes to the book cage, locks himself in, says to Willow, you need to get back from the cage. It's not safe. Just the look on his face. She can tell he's upset and she's very concerned. He just wants to be left alone to transition into a werewolf and I can scarcely blame him. No, I don't. You exactly. Know, now is not the time to be working through this shit. Just give, give the guy some space. It's really hard to see such a Zen character having a moment where he's not being so Zen. Yeah. Seth Green does it really fucking well. Even his non-Zen is still pretty fucking Zen. Yeah. We should figure out what kind of deal this is. I mean, is it a gathering, a shindig, or a hootenanny? Well, gathering is brie, mellow song stylings, shindig dip. 
Best Mellow Song Stylings per perhaps a large amount of malt beverage. And Hoot Nanny. What's chock full of Hoot? Just a little bit of Nanny. So we cut to the woods. Yep. And Feral Angel happens. Yeah. Up until this moment of the episode, had completely fucking forgot that he showed up last episode. Yeah, he totally came back at the end of last episode, Terminator style. I forgot all about that. Yeah. He was like, come with me if you want to live. And uh, he stole some shitty sunglasses and a motorcycle. Yep. And some leather. Nope. He's actually feral, wild, crazed angel. I mean, Not he, even evil angel, just crazed. He had the decency to find some pants anyway. Yeah. Go him. Obviously, though, he couldn't be hard-pressed to get a shirt. Would you if you looked like that? I wouldn't. No. I'd show that shit off every day. Yeah. I'd walk up and order a coffee and just rip my shirt off and just get the coffee for free. Make it a point of always spilling shit on myself. It's like, and your tip is... <laughs> and the shirt just <laughs> peels right off. I don't think society then, works that way. And then the dude behind the counter is like, all right, that worked the last three times, but I'm going to need some money. <laughs> uh, and then we go to the morgue. I fucking love this scene. Did you notice... Willow's lunchbox is a Scooby-Doo lunchbox. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> oh, I'm so... Oh, fuck. I bit my lip. <laughs> Instant karma. I'm so fucking pissed I didn't notice that. You should be mad at yourself. I'm ashamed of you for you. Yeah, that that's nothing new. Like, <laughs> you guys. We totally brought sandwiches to the morgue. <laughs> We should eat him off of this dead body. Oh, God. Look, he brought ketchup for us. <laughs> I don't think that's ketchup. <laughs> Who the fuck was that? That was hedonism bot. He follows them everywhere, didn't oh. you know? No, I didn't. Yeah. Bring the chocolate sauce. <laughs> anyway, Willow... Comes into the morgue, looking like she's done this shit before. Finds the right body, pulls it out, starts examining it. Yeah, how is Willow suddenly <laughs> like this professional forensics person? What did she even bring in that lunchbox? She looked like she had some sort of professional scraping tool for the fingernails. And I, I don't know, she was prepared though. Yeah. And, you know, it makes perfect sense that she would be prepared. This is her fucking boyfriend on the line. Yeah, she, is important. she has a bit of a vested interest, a bit of a conflict of interest, really. Yeah. Xander walks in and almost kind of startles Willow, but he immediately is like, oh, ah, God, it's a body. And he's all squeamish about it. And then Cordy startles him and he's like, we're doing crime here. You don't sneak up during crime, which I thought was excellent. It's an excellent line. <laughs> I love Cordy's line here. She she snaps back at him. She's like, God, have a... And then looks at the body. Okay, scarred for life. Yeah. Hold on, though. They've seen dead bodies before. Yeah, plenty of dead bodies. And also, like, come on, Cordy. You didn't see that body as you were approaching them. Right. Also, you knew you were going to a fucking morgue to find a mutilated body. For fuck's sake, they fought zombies. Yeah. Just like last episode. I sound so much like Shaggy just normally. <laughs> I don't even have to try. I'm like, you guys, they just fought zombies. Just last episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. 
So, but the best payoff of this entire scene, Willow is still all business and she's like pulling hairs and fibers and shit and being all forensic-y and it's inconclusive of whether or not it was Oz or a vampire. And then she just passes out the moment she's like, okay, we're done here. I thought the catalyst that made her pass out was she was looking at the wounds and Cordy said something like, oh yeah. Nothing that something with big claws and teeth couldn't do, or yeah. something like that. And I thought maybe it was that. But anyway, I guess I missed that. So Willow says, we're done here and passes out, yep. is how it went down. The scene closes with Xander saying, man, it doesn't seem to look good. He says, doesn't look good for Oz, does it? And Cordy says, it really doesn't. This guy was ripped apart by a big wild animal. And we cut to the manor, where Buffy happens to have manacles in on a chain she makes quick work of uh of hooking up angel now so it's kind of a little montage shot the first yeah. shot we see is her opening a chest it looked like it was in her room some sort of it looked like the chest that she kept her weapons in to me but it had other stuff in it yeah i could have sworn i saw like a teddy bear so i was like wait did you pull chains out of your toy box what's going on here buffy Anyway, <laughs> it's it's that kind of toy box. There's a bondage joke in there somewhere. <laughs> I mean, she manages to go home, get the manacles, and did she bring Angel with her or go back and get him in the woods and then carry him to the mansion? I don't know, but she does all this without a car or teleportation skills that I know of. Right. Whatever. Chains him on up, and we actually get to see that... There are scorch marks on the ground where his body reappeared. His tear in the time-space continuum has left a very distinctly (laughs) angel-shaped scorch mark. Yes. It's very nice. I I think the impressive part really is that they waited three whole episodes before blowing their load to bring Angel back. Honestly. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Like, normally they'd have been like, ah, just kidding, he's not dead by the end of the episode. Already. Already, we're only on the fourth season. They've already this season done better with suspense. No, so, they've they've definitely shown a marked improvement in suspense throughout the entirety of the show. It's it's a very noticeable incremental improvement. So we cut to the library and we get kind of an uncomfortable long shot of Faith's ass. The scene opens on. Oz as a werewolf and then Faith walks into frame but the camera's still pointing down at Oz on the floor mm-hmm. and basically Faith's ass just takes over the whole frame and it holds there for a moment. Well I guess you're just kind of proving Faith's point here aren't you Rex because I only noted that uh, it looks like she's having a one person iPod party also she has a really nice ass yeah I mean but she's dancing to some music Buffy walks up and taps her on the shoulder. She spins around and backhands Buffy. Yeah. (laughs) Faith says, Buffy, what are you doing? Buffy says, bleeding internally. (laughs) I didn't catch that line. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good one. And so Buffy relieves Faith's guard duty. Yep. Faith says, knock yourself out. And Buffy says, not literally, though. (laughs) Faith's going to go off and kill some vampires. And... Buffy's going to do some fucking research. Yeah, Buffy pulls out a vestige of the library system. Um, A card catalog. You kids these days, you don't know what a card catalog is. I I used a card catalog and I can't remember how. 
I mean, it's basically just alphabetical. It's all well. It's all. It's by the Dewey Decimal System. I barely remember. Like, it's just categorized. That's my all. brain has erased that information. Yeah, I I worked at a library as a as a shelf reader and a shelver for like a year or two. I don't remember how long, but it was a mind-numbingly long time. It, it was I always like, wanted the uh, the gig in school. You didn't miss anything. It's mind-numbingly boring. Anyway. Yes, it's time to listen. The good guys are always stalwart and true. The bad guys are easily distinguished by their pointy horns or black hats. Uh, we always defeat them and save the day. No one ever dies and everybody lives happily ever after. Liar. And the next morning... Oz is lying there naked in the cage. Yep. Giles comes in and opens the cage... Drinking some coffee. Yep. Like this is just his normal morning routine. Yep. Let the naked boy out of the cage. <laughs> drink some coffee. <laughs> I just want <clears throat> to dwell momentarily on the fact that a high school librarian has a naked student <laughs> in a cage. Yep. Think about if that. The wrong person walks in. <laughs> <laughs> Giles is going to have some explaining to do. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. But we know why. Right. It's because they're doing it. So Buffy is... <laughs> <laughs> Buffy... Buffy's studying... Yeah, don't judge. Uh, so Buffy's studying Akathala because, you know, she's like, oh, fuck, Angel came back. What the hell went down with Akathala? And she doesn't tell Giles. Yeah, I don't understand why she wouldn't just tell him right out of the gate. She has to pretend that she had this prophetic dream. How many episodes? How many episodes has the lesson been fucking inform each other of shit? It's just like later when she's talking to Mr. Platt. Yeah. Even though, you know, she doesn't know he's dead at the time, but right. even later, she's like, well, I don't think I can talk to Giles or Willow because they'll just freak on her. And it's sad that she feels that way because yeah. I feel like there's really no precedent for her to feel that way. No, especially Giles. I think like, maybe Willow might. I think she has post-traumatic stress syndrome from the way her mother fucks her around with her head. That combined with the fact that she had to murder Angel right after he got his soul back. I can definitely see that being the issue here. Sure. I don't see how that rolls up with that, but mm -hmm. I'll take your word for it. Uh, Willow brings donuts. Yep. <laughs> barely stops herself from putting her foot right in her mouth. So this town has a Mr. Donut and a Happy Burger. They really don't think too hard about their fast food chain names here. No. Just wanted to throw that out there. I don't think that's necessary. I really want to see the logo for the Mr. Donut. Is it as creepy as the Happy Burger? Probably. <laughs> I wonder if they're owned by the same person. Anyway. Willow divulges that the body examination was inconclusive. I had a really good Giles quote when uh, they're talking about, hypothetically, if Angel had come back oh, from, yeah. the, from the demon dimension. And another important thing about this was we established that he would have been coming back from a demon dimension, just like in episode one with Ken... And yeah. he's like hundreds of years older now, but obviously because he's a vampire, he didn't age. So yep. that's handy, I guess. But anyway, Giles says, in my experience, there are two types of monsters. 
those that can be redeemed, or more importantly, want to be redeemed. Second is void of humanity, cannot respond to reason or love. And then Willow comes in with the donut donut box. And she's been at the donut place all night because she couldn't sleep because she's worried about Oz. And that's understandable. So you mentioned that Willow very nearly stuck her foot down her throat. Yep. Because she's like, how come you're the wakey girl? This time it's not your boyfriend who's the cold-blooded, uh-oh, because, I mean, she doesn't say uh-oh, but Oz is coming right up behind her, and uh, she offers him a jelly donut, and he doesn't want a jelly donut. He is definitely a monster. (laughs) He's coming into his own as a fucking cold-blooded killer. I have a confession to make, Josh. Murdersome wolf creature of the night. I have a confession to make. Naked boy in the cage. I don't like jelly donuts. I knew you were going to fucking say that. (laughs) I don't like jelly donuts. I don't like powdered donuts either. I don't like powdered donuts either. That's fine. But get the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's okay. That's fine. I get that. But I hate you when you're wrong. That sounds about right. Excellent. Then we cut to the cafeteria, hey. and Buffy has a plate of Jello. I don't mean to say that she has a plate with one thing of Jello. I mean she has a plate with all the Jello. It's really kind of impressive that the cafeteria has that good of a selection of Jello. Yeah, yeah. And there, there's a green Jello with marshmallows in it, and that just sounds fucking delicious. Uh, to be fair, my grandma used to make that shit all the time. It sounds amazing. It's okay. I kind of want green jellos. <laughs> I kind of want green jello now, though. I can probably arrange that. <laughs> but Buffy, Scott sees her walk up with the jello and issues her a nutritional demerit. <laughs> and Buffy's like, there's fruit in it. That's not fruit. Those are marshmallows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Scott, Debbie, and Pete are all at the table. Yeah. And Debbie brings up therapy. And Scott is just like... Oh, I know all about therapy because my mom says therapy can be completely helpful. Well, that's insightful. Thanks, Scott. And Pete, you really need to learn better insults because he says, well, your mom has the wattage of a Zippo lighter. Yeah, what the fuck was that about? That makes no sense. Where did that come from? I have no idea. I like because we know nothing about Scott's mother. I did write down Scott's line here. I'm delivering this line. However, this is not a quote of the day, nor do I think it should qualify as a quote of the day. Okay. It is a good line, except the actor who plays Scott can not deliver it. No. Multiple times now, in multiple episodes, he has real issues with sarcasm and not being able to deliver it. They keep giving him Xander lines, but he's not a Xander type. This This is a quintessential... Give it to Xander line. This man cannot Xander his way out of a Xander bag. (laughs) Exactly. So the line is, I hope you realize I don't actually know these people. I just thought you'd like me better if I had friends. So I hired them. And I just delivered it better than he could. Yeah. He sounded sounded completely serious. Yeah. Which he did last episode, too. Like, please get rid of this guy already. Please. Please. I I do fear, though, that he is a bad guy because he's kind of a sweet guy to Buffy. I want him to die a little bit. Is that so wrong? In a good way. Is that wrong of me? Yes. I want him to die in a good way. Violently. 
<laughs> and painfully. But he, he actually seems like kind of a sweet guy. Sure. Yeah, probably. Well, I mean, okay, this line that he throws at her next. I wanted to tell you you look great today, but now I want to raise that to amazing because you didn't sleep well last night. That's a good fucking line. That is a good line. And that is... Shut I- up, Scott. I'm going to kill you so that I can take your line. <laughs> that's not that's not vicious and animalistic of me, is it? Is it? I mean, if it is, whatever. It's a little bit. I'm okay with that. <laughs> but Buffy bolts because she can't deal with people. Hmm. Then we cut to the manor where she shows up because she's worried about Angel. Yeah, well, as she's leaving... So Scott says that line to her and she's like, that's amazing. And I wish I didn't have to, but I do. I'll see you later. And I was like, fuck, did I miss something? But that's just how off she was. She didn't actually make up a full reason to leave. She just blabbered and left. And, you know, given her situation, makes sense. Sure. Yeah, she, she gets one of those. She Frankly, she gets all of those that she wants. Yeah. I'm dating. I, I'm having serious dating with a werewolf. And I'm studying witchcraft and, and killing vampires. It's like a drug. So we cut to the manor where she goes to see Angel. Um, he's not so much broody anymore, but kind of growly. Very growly. And the sad piano's playing. <laughs> and then that's it. We cut back to the school. Time for some promenade nookie. Yeah. So Debbie and Pete are like kissing and shit on the promenade. And then they go into this fucking janitor's closet. It looked like a closet or it definitely wasn't the same door that went into the band room. Right. From season one. But it was only a cup. It was only like one or two doors to the right of that door. Yeah. And somehow this goes into like an old abandoned storage space type deal that we see later in the episode. Yeah. That Pete has apparently turned into a lab. Yes. Kind of has taken over this space as his own. And they're making out and everything seems fine until Pete looks over Debbie's shoulder and sees a mostly empty jar of predator blood. I was going to say turtle ooze, but sure. I mean, it's glowing. It's predator blood. Mutant ooze. But that ooze, that ooze was an opaque green, not a glowing translucent green. Yeah, you're right. He immediately is like... It could also be wildfire from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Except you shouldn't be drinking that. God, no. <laughs> well, to be fair, nobody should be drinking the thing that that it, that it is. Yeah, none of those things should get drunk. Well, maybe the maybe the turtle ooze. Hmm. Yeah, I would. I, I kind of think I'd. I I think I'd have to drink it. <laughs> I think I would see that and be like, "Well, I guess I'm drinking this." <laughs> Down the hatch. I can just. I can never stop thinking about that ginormous fucking. Uh, dandelion from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. <laughs> it's so huge. Anyway, Pete immediately to Debbie is like, you didn't drink this, did you? And she's like, no, I dumped it down the drain. And then he gets all pissy and angry at her for getting rid of the stuff. But then he's like, I don't even need it anymore. And then he mutates into Hyde. 
Because it's apparently some sort of Jekyll and Hyde shit going on. Yeah, some sort of crossover between Jekyll and Hyde and the Hulk. Yep. We cut to the counselor's office where Buffy has decided that she needs to talk to somebody about shit going on. And why talk to your mentor and father figure that you have a strong, deep connection with and history and who understands you? On a very deep level. When you can talk to a dead body who's had his face removed, but he's pointing the other direction. Yeah. Yeah. And she opens up to him. There's the that cliche of she walks in the room. She's like, no, don't turn around. And then just starts talking. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, he's dead. Mm-hmm. Like, the moment she walked in the room, I'm like, oh, he's dead. And her cue ends up being his cigarette, which is burned all the way down to the nub. Yep. And let me tell you... um, that's how spontaneous human combustion happens. I think that they established previously that he smoked solely for this purpose. Solely for this moment. And he's dead and he's had his face chewed on. I don't understand how a claw to half of his face killed him so fast that he didn't drop his cigarette. Yeah, that's a nice big plot hole there. Yeah. Cut back to the closet where Pete is dulling out some very classic abusive behavior. Throws her down, very angry. He's yeah, this, doing the whole hide thing. This escalates really fucking quickly yeah. here. And then after he throws her down and he's hit her, he reverts back to himself. And then he's all fucking apologetic and basically blaming her for how he gets. <laughs> you just make me crazy, baby. Why do you do that? You know, I only do this because of you, because I love you so much. Yeah. So then we cut back to the library. Buffy reveals that Platt was killed during the day, so it wasn't Oz. Willow is super happy about this. It couldn't have possibly been Oz. Oh, yeah. Oz is off the hook. Yeah. And she catches herself, and Buffy's like, oh, no, 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 it's okay. We're all happy. It's fine. If they actually spent episodes on them dealing with the deaths of people in Sunnydale (laughs) properly, this show would have lasted as long as Supernatural. Yeah, I was going to say longer, (laughs) actually. Oh, God, speaking of... Their death toll is way too high for them to properly deal with death. (laughs) Dude, I just watched the first episode of season 14 of Supernatural, and the writers are so out of ideas, it's pathetic. Just saying. Willow is worried that where the fuck is Oz? Yeah. Because it's getting late. Cut to Oz. Why everyone is still at the school even though sundown is coming soon? What the fuck? Props to Oz that he made Deb and his promise to her to give her his notes such a high priority that he knows he's about to turn into a fucking werewolf. Yeah. And he's still waiting for her at the fountain, even though she's late. It Oz is appear. just a super good fucking guy. Yeah. Fucking props. And he immediately notices that she has a black eye and he handles it perfectly yeah he doesn't press because you don't want to push for information on that kind of thing you know they've had enough of that kind of bullshit he just accepts accepts her her excuse knows it's an excuse but doesn't point it out to her that he knows it's an excuse yeah and of course pete is skulking in the background watching them talk oz made the mistake of touching debbie Mm -hmm. so pete 
thinks that Oz is making moves on his girl. Yeah, he just flies off the fucking rails back in the library. Oz shows up glad to learn that he didn't kill anybody. Yeah. And some fairly decent process of elimination because they established that the commonality between Jeff Walken and Mr. Platt is Debbie. I'm sure there were lots of other people that both right. knew Jeff and were seeing uh, Mr. Platt, the school right. counselor. But the number one thing that made it all stand out was that Debbie specifically was very vocal about Mr. Platt. Well, so they briefly suspected Debbie. But then Oz reveals that she had a shiner. Yes. And that's when they're like, no, it, it must not be Debbie. It must be Pete. Anyway, they made quick work of it. It was yeah. good storytelling for as short of a conclusion as it was. It was quick deduction made by a group of people who have been doing this for a couple years. Which makes more sense now, but they've been doing this fast deduction thing since season one. Right. Anyway, so Giles is distributing uh, jobs for people. He uh, says, Faith, you're with me. Willow and Buffy pair off. Oz, lock yourself in a cage. <laughs> or he, does, he doesn't say that. Get in Oz, cage! Oz, <laughs> I need a naked boy in the cage. <laughs> for all occasions, you see. And we all know we don't want it to be Xander. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. Oh, dear. Hey, he looks pretty good in a Speedo. Anyway. That's fair. <laughs> so Oz is like, and I'll go lock myself in a cage. <laughs> they say young people don't learn anything in high school nowadays, but um, I've learned to be afraid. So what was the uh, story about that alligator? Then we cut to the bathroom or the locker room or, I don't know, it had sinks and lockers. It was a room. But it wasn't a locker room we'd seen before. It didn't appear so. Um, Buffy and Willow find Debbie. Debbie's putting makeup on her black eye. Buffy's lying here. It's tricky covering a fresh shiner like that. You know what works? Don't get hit. Yeah. A little... Yeah, easy for her to say. Right. It was a bit harsh. I think what she was going for with this was, hey, we know you're withholding information and we know that part of that is that you're being abused. And if you were only just hurting yourself, that'd be one thing. Yeah. So she's understandably upset about this. Yeah. It is a bit brash nonetheless. The one line here, though, that really fucking irks me. They do a really good job of displaying what this abusive relationship is. Debbie says of Pete, he does what he does because he loves me too much. Yeah. That is a woman who has been gaslighted out the ass. Yeah. And she she is damaged and she is just really, really fucked up by this dude. They paint this picture very effectively. Extremely. Quick cut to the manor as we see Angel escape. Yep. <laughs> Real quick, let's just establish that Angel's escaping from the manor, yep. which we all knew that was going to fucking happen. Yeah. Uh, then back to the locker room. I'm not sure how I feel about this couple of lines here. Buffy and Willow are confronting Debbie. And Debbie says to Buffy, what are you going to do about it when Debbie won't divulge any information? Uh-huh. Willow looks at Buffy and looks back at Debbie and says, Wrong question. Because Buffy has that very serious Buffy look on her face. The same look, I might add, that you would expect on Buffy's face right before she puts a vamp's head through a wall. 
Yeah. But she grabs Debbie and pulls her up to the mirror and says, look what he's fucking done. Yeah, that was one of my quotes. Not necessarily a quote of the day, but she says, look at yourself. Why are you protecting him? Anybody who really loved you couldn't do this to you. If there's one thing to take away from this episode, it's that. Yeah. People who love you don't hurt you. And then, then it gets good. We cut to the library where Oz is alone, locked in his cage, and Pete shows up. Mm-hmm. And he's all upset because Oz put his hand on Debbie and he thinks that Oz is moving in on Debbie. You know, Oz is trying to warn him that something like, hey, get away. This is a problem. This isn't safe. He says to Pete, I'm serious. Something's going to happen you probably won't believe. And then at this moment, Pete does his head shake, seizure turns into hide thing. Yeah, it's super creepy, like House on Haunted Hill kind of effect. Yeah. Oz continues, or you might. <laughs> but Pete re- rips the door off the cage and attacks Oz. Bad decisions, Pete. <laughs> Bad decisions. What a pissant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, back to back to the locker room. So we see that Debbie is sitting on one of the benches and she's very visibly upset. She's just chanting, he does love me. He does love me. He does love me. And Willow's like, I think we broke her. And Buffy's like, I think she was broken before this. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you said, she's been completely fucking gaslighted very thoroughly. Yep. But Buffy's all, fuck this. I'm just going to find Pete because this is getting us nowhere. Yep, so cut back to the library, and Pete is kicking Oz's ass. Yeah, he's holding his own pretty well without being a werewolf. And here is the good one-liner. This is the <laughs> one-liner you need, Oz. What was that one-liner he said in the, that one episode, the first episode of the season? Um, This time it's personal? The, yeah, this time it's personal. No, Oz, this is the one-liner, because he looks up out the window, sees that it's sunset, and he says, time's up. Rules changed. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a good line. And his transformation into werewolf, into a werewolf is much quicker now. Yep. I'm just going to go ahead and assume that that's because he's changed many more times now. I would imagine that your first transformation is probably a bit clunky. Yeah. Just because it's your first time. Giggity. Now this is when I want to talk about the werewolf. Okay. <laughs> because I have a couple things myself. The werewolf in this season is very different than previous season. Sure. And just fucking goofy. It's goofy. <laughs> Absolutely. So they gave up on the mask because they couldn't get enough facial expression out of it. Like I could have lived with what they did with the face if they had just kept him bipedal. Or if they had found a way to make him actually look like a dog. Now he just looks like a were-ape. Yeah. A were-monkey. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. (laughs) It's it's different, but it's the same fucking caliber of bad. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it either needs to be bipedal with a dog's head or... Man's head with a dog's body. And later when we see him like running down the hall, it's just funny. Or just straight up a giant fucking wolf. Yeah. Yeah. It's not great. It's pretty fucking special. It's on camera too long in too good of lighting. (laughs) Yeah. 
But, but Wolfie fucks Pete up. <laughs> Wolfie? Yeah, Wolfie. <laughs> what? Speaking of Terminator 2, how's Wolfie? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> anyway. Your stepparents are dead. <laughs> so Buffy, Giles, Willow, and Faith all run in. Yep. And where the fuck are Xander and Cordelia throughout all this? They didn't say they were going anywhere specific. And the, no? the last time we saw them was the morgue? Oh, the library. Giles was handing out tasks. I don't remember the task that he handed out to them. I don't think they were there for that. Cordy was, because Cordy, Cordy had some good lines there. The whole fucking Scooby gang was there. And at some point, Xander and Cordelia just kind of fall out of the game. Right. Which is fine. They're probably making out in a closet. Sure. My favorite part, though, is Buffy goes to shoot Oz with the Trank gun. Mm -hmm. Debbie thinks that she's going to shoot Pete, which she might have, but I think she was aiming for Oz. And, like, shoves Buffy, and Buffy shoots Giles. Mm -hmm. And his line here... Right. Bloody priceless. He fucking passes out. Just Just before he passes out. Buffy takes Pete, Faith and Willow take Oz. And the were monkey runs off. Yep. Dig this. Dig this. Sorry, you had to wait. Fire beheading. Hurry up, sweet dreams. Sunlight. Hurry up, sweet dreams. And water. Usual. Oh, yeah. I hit him. With what? A desk. Buffy chases Pete through the hallway. He escapes through a window just before Buffy rounds the corner, and he leaves a blood stain behind. Is this the first time they've used blood effects? I don't know. I don't remember ever seeing blood in this show. They definitely skimp on the blood for the most part, but they needed a way for her to track him. Yeah, that's true. Because he climbs through a window, leaves a bloody fucking arm print. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to see the wolf running down the hallway. It's goofy as fuck. Yeah, so we're cutting back and forth between uh, the Buffy and Pete and uh, Faith, Willow, and Oz. Yep. And so we see that the window that looked like it went to the exterior that Pete jumped through actually goes into this um, into this storage area. That no, they it, were... it was above the storage area. Okay. And it was the second floor and above the storage area goes out onto a roof because we see Buffy climb through that window later. Okay. And then as soon as you're down off that roof... It's above the storage area. All right. Okay, I didn't notice that. Uh, But Debbie's in the storage area, and Pete immediately starts attacking Debbie. He he waits a moment for her to run up and hug him, and he's clearly not happy to see her, but he's still in evil pissant Pete mode. Yeah. And she's like, oh my god, I'm so happy that you're okay. And he's immediately like, you're such a waste of space. How did Buffy know that I was like this? You just can't keep your fat trap shut. Blah, blah, blah. And fucks her up. Yep. She tries to tell him that he needs to leave town. And that is just not a good idea to to try and tell him what to do. He doesn't want to hear it. And he starts beating the shit out of her. Buffy sees the blood, tracks him to that room finds Debbie dead. Switch back to Faith and Willow catching yep. up with Monkey Oz. Switch back to Buffy finding Deb unconscious. And uh, Pete immediately attacks her from behind as she's running up to Debbie. Yep. And P- 
Pete's kicking her ass. He is. But first we switch back again to Faith fighting Oz. Willow. Willow gets all baity. <laughs> She's like, I'm the bait. And they're like, okay, that works for me. No, the best part is, is she, Faith is on the ground. The the gun is next to her on the ground and Oz is on top of her. And she's like, Willow, get the gun. But rather than get the gun, Willow runs up to Oz, tugs on his tail, <laughs> and then takes off running. Oh, that's funny. I missed the tug on the tail. So, and so Oz starts chasing Willow. Yep. And then Faith shoots him with a trank gun. And then pathetic dog whimper, you know, the one yep. that makes us all feel bad. Yeah. Then we cut back to the storage room place. Where Pete is just fucking wailing on Buffy. This actually legitimately fucking surprised me. Yeah. Angel busts in. Sure. Holy shit. Yeah. And you know what Angel does? Does he open his ass? He opens up Pete's ass. <laughs> he steps inside. And he closes the door behind him. Does he leave Snickers wrappers? He brought some Demon Dimension Snickers back with him. <laughs> and he leaves those wrappers behind. That's just what you do. <laughs> exactly. No, it, knocking over predator blood. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this was really fucking well done. I thought because I did not expect this. I mean, I don't know how the fuck Angel found them there, but okay. I mean, he he can track by smell. Yeah, he knows what Buffy smells like. Also, you know, great hearing. As long as he's on the campus. He yeah, can... I mean, he probably assumed accurately that Buffy was on campus. Sure. But after he kills Pete in an awesome way, using the chains that are that he's manacled. Yeah. He's not feral anymore. He's actually himself. And... He got his shit back. Yeah. Pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. I would like to hypothesize that he was still feral in tracking Buffy down, but the act of saving her is what brought him back. Well, I mean, I think it was still brewing from the moment where she came up and said his name and touched him. Yeah. He, he had the episode to get his head together. You know, hundreds of years of demon dimension shit. Yeah. You can, you can wipe that clean in a day. I don't see why not. Well, it could have been a couple of days. I mean, you know, he came back last episode. I suppose. Oh, yeah. And definitely some time had passed between last episode and this one. Yeah. Enough for her to go on several, several dates with Scott. Several dates. Yes. Probably a month. But I don't know. It doesn't matter. Who fucking cares? So anyway, um, Angel kneels and hugs Buffy and cries for a minute. She Sw cries. Swelling music. It's very difficult to resist. Not a dry eye in the house. And... Cut to the wrap-up. Yep. We got the whole Scooby gang walking <laughs> through the promenade. The stories of why Pete went crazy are hilarious to me. Uh, Xander says that a freshman told him that Pete had eight iced cafe mochas and just lost it. <laughs> yeah, that one, that one was good. And Buffy says it's better than the estrogen one. Somebody told her... That he took all of his mom's birth control. Birth control, pills. yeah. <laughs> Which that wouldn't make someone go crazy. Well, I, it it fuck your shit up though. Yeah, but Cordy's like, where have I? Where was I during all this? <laughs> and so they tell the real story of what happened. That he was, that they found his notes and he had made some weird concoction, and then 
it turned him into like a Jacqueline Hyde violent dude. Right, because she, he felt that he needed to be more macho for Debbie. Yeah. Cordy's ending last line here in the episode I thought was great. I did as well. Because she says, because uh, she's confused this whole time. Mm-hmm. And after Buffy walks off, she says, great, now I'm going to be stuck with serious thoughts all day. That's a very cordy line to end an episode with. It was. I liked it. And Buffy spots Scott moping by himself over by the fountain from earlier. She goes over and talks to him. I got one line out of this that I thought was important. He says, it's just that you never really know what's going on inside somebody. I mean, you think if you care about them, but you never really do. Meaning that you can never really know what's going on inside somebody. It was it was worded oddly, but the way he delivered it, it made sense for yep. a change. Right. Thanks, Scott. Way to really, really press in the fact that, hey, Buffy has not yet told him that she is the Slayer. Right? <laughs> yeah. Somebody in this relationship is hiding shit. Yeah. <laughs> So once once they start talking, it's like, oh, he's mourning for his friends. He's not just moping. Okay. Right. So are are Deb and and Scott just dead? Yeah. Or not Scott. Deb and uh, Pete. Yeah, they're both dead. Huh. Pete killed Deb. Angel killed Pete. Lame. I mean, not lame that Pete's dead. He needed to no, die, it, but... They're better off than the hyena kids. I guess. <laughs> yeah. And then we close with Buffy reading more of Call of the Wild. Yeah. Gerarg. Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed little creatures. As soon as the sun goes down, down, vampire. As soon as the sun goes down, down, vampire. Competition is a beautiful thing. At this point in Beer with Buffy, we want to put it out there for all of our listeners that if you have a podcast and you're interested in doing an ad swap and you want to write up a 500-character ad, we would be happy to read it for you in exchange for you reading our ad on your podcast. If you'd like to make a proposal to us to do an ad swap, contact us in a direct message on Twitter or send us an email on beerwithbuffy at gmail.com or you can call us at 269-743-0783. So, Josh... Did you like this episode? Nah. Yeah. Nah. I completely agree. I didn't hate it. I liked the way, like, they, they did have some fairly decent suspense. Yes. I, like, you didn't, you legitimately didn't know if it was Oz or Angel or what, and then this Jekyll and Hyde shit comes out of nowhere. I thought it was a bit abrupt, but with only a 44-minute episode, right? It was kind. it was still fairly well done the way they worked that in. So we got some some combination werewolf and core vampire character and monster of the week all in one episode. I kind of appreciated that they didn't make it all monster of the week. No, I definitely agree with that. I think my only real problem with this episode was that there aren't that many good fucking lines. Not really. Eh. I went, dude, I was halfway through my notes before I really had anything good to write down. I mean, whether they were going for, you know, teaching us some sort of lesson about, you know, feminism with all the the different forms of animalistic men, they they kept with the theme and that just made for good storytelling. That's all I'll really say about that. But also, 
I did really appreciate their message of steer the fuck away from abusive relationships. Right. Don't let people fucking hit you. Don't let people gaslight you and fuck you around. I don't remember enough of the third season of Buffy to be able to guess at future episodes. But so far in the four four episodes that we've had, it's obvious that this season they're really kind of going stronger in the this big bad is an allegory for this real world issue. Yeah. I don't yet know how I feel about that method of writing for the show, Mm -hmm. but it's obvious that they're going stronger in that direction, at least for this season than they did in previous seasons, because this episode is all about the allegory of the abusive relationship. The episode is, yeah. I don't know about the uh, the season arcing big, big bad. But yeah, the big bad of this episode was definitely an abstract concept more so than any one character. Right. And we had the first episode of the season was all allegory for runaways and homelessness mm-hmm. and being lost people in general. Yeah. Thank you for putting that into words for me. So I don't know. I'm... I don't know how I feel about that direction yet. Cool. What's your quote of the day, Rex? I'm going to go with, we're doing crime here. <laughs> you don't sneak up during crime. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, I'd have totally picked that if I'd found it before you. Okay. <laughs> oh, I got to go with, ooh, it's toss up between Giles and Buffy here. I'm going to read both of them. Giles's line, in my experience, there are two types of monster, those that can be redeemed or, more importantly, wants to be redeemed. Second is void of humanity, cannot respond to reason or love. Just because it's so fucking eloquent. Yeah. Um, however, I think I got more takeaway from Buffy's line later. Look at yourself. Why are you protecting him? Anybody who really loved you couldn't do this to you. Yeah. Both of those lines are such on the same caliber. Yeah, I feel like they both kind of summed up what they were going for with this episode. Yeah. Sure. Let's go with that. I honestly, I don't think I could pick between them either. Why not both? Why not? Why not both? Why not? Now Zoidberg's the popular one. This has been Beer with Buffy. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Review us on iTunes. You can email us at beerwithbuffy at gmail.com. You can always leave us a voicemail at 269-743-0783. You can buy us a beer or just support us financially if you like us that much at www.patreon.com forward slash beer with Buffy. Thanks as always to Benjamin Alexander for opening and closing music. Thank you to Reggie Page for our transition music. This has been Beer with Buffy. I'm Josh. I'm Rex. Have a good night. Bring the chocolate sauce. Responsibility, and instead of which you enslave yourself to this, this cult. You don't like the color? <laughs>
done why are we watching this 